Good news. I've just saved our podcast. What was that? That that mic is our new fart button. The Godzilla Pod War Hour fart button. The Godzilla Pod War Hour fart button? Yep. This, this mic is going to save us from obscurity. All right? Think about it. What is more timeless than a fart? What is more sentimental than a fart? All right? Just, just, just yeah. Listen to it once again. Ah! Nate, am I to surmise that you're proposing <clears throat> that the overwhelming content of this show from here on out be centered around fake fart noises instead of Godzilla films, which we have now run out of, admittedly. Listen, Mike, Howard Stern uses the fart sound. Mike O'Mara uses the fart sound. Why? Why shouldn't we use the fart sound? Okay, this is what's going to keep us going, all right? Everybody loves a fart, all right? Nothing is more satisfying than a good old-fashioned fart, especially when it's in button form. Once again... Listen to that. No, that that's is, good. No, no. I yeah. That is no. aural gold. Okay? No, no. It is aural gold. It, it's. Um, I tell you what. We're going to keep it on the back burner. We're going to keep it in mind. Mm-hmm. All right. It's it's not going away or anything. We're not going to. I, I think I may have a, a a separate proposal though. Okay. Something that might um, kind of help us continue forward now that we have run out of Godzilla movies, and that is you know. Godzilla is is a character. He's a monster. Right. He's uh, someone who starred in his own series of films. They've been known roughly as, as Godzilla films, you mm-hmm. know. But to me, Godzilla always meant more than that. To me, it was Godzilla. The word Godzilla was almost like a code word, you know, like... To me, it meant every kaiju movie, you know? It was Hmm. like, even in the films that Godzilla didn't show up in, he was always sort of around. You could kind of feel his presence, Hmm. you know? So, to me, I I think that we could continue forward and and review some films that may not necessarily have Godzilla in them, but sort of still fall under that general uh, umbrella of, of Godzilla movies. And I think we could start out um, by by reviewing one of the best, and that is, of course, 1956's Rodan, who himself starred in several films along with Godzilla. So, I don't know. We could do that, or we could use the fart button. I'm looking for long-term uh, discussion points, though, and I think we would run out of stuff to talk about with the fart button within the first... 20 to 40 minutes. Hmm. I guess that does sound like... I don't want to force your hand. (laughs) No, no, I I think you're right. Let me me just put the uh, button away. All right. Sorry, sorry. that that happens a lot. Uh, Continue. All right. So, with, with that out of the way, let me just say, welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Godzilla Pod War Hour. Um... Yes, Rodan, 1956, in Honda. Music by Akira Ufukube. Produced by Tanaka. You know, 
Special effects, EJ Subaraya. Subaraya, doing it. We've got the classic, the classic giant mutant rat pack. The giant mutant rat pack <laughs> is back. <laughs> Recombined. Uh, watching this film in preparation for, for this week's episode was it, it, very cleansing yes. uh, and, and felt very refreshing, like, uh, you know, a dip in nice you know, cool waters after going through the Sahara Desert and climbing up a mountain, Mm -hmm. you know, and and this felt like sort of like a kind of a clearing in the in the rough with Mm -hmm. like a palm tree and some coconuts. And uh, yeah, it was it was just great. I was soaking up every single goddamn frame. Yes. After having to watch things such as Godzilla versus Space Godzilla, it was very nice to come back and watch a, a bona fide Toho science fiction classic mm. kaiju movie. Made by sane, intelligent people. <laughs> sane, sane. I think sane is the key word here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this. Uh, one thing that is like significant <laughs> is the fact that you know Honda and these other people had done other movies previously. They weren't just handed Godzilla; they had worked on other films. You know, Subaraya had done other special effects work. Sure, Honda had done right before Godzilla. He did a you know like Eagle of the Pacific about the Zero Fighters. He had also done you know small like home drama. You know, Gendai Geki films. You know about you know just normal people. You know, fishing and doing all that other normal people stuff. So they had been trained, you know, and they had been well brought up. So that way, by the time they are given these movies, they know exactly how to make even the most ludicrous plot seem feasible and digestible. Yes. Unlike Space Godzilla. (laughs) Unlike Space Godzilla. Um, So, yes, this film was very successful. And it was it was it was at a point when they had made the original Godzilla, and it you know that was a runaway success. And Godzilla raids again had come out, and they were like, okay, well, let's see what else can we do. And they were it was cool because it was it was at a point where they were sort of yeah, <laughs> stretching their wings uh, creatively. And they're like, they weren't, it wasn't the short-sightedness of just like, oh, well, let's just keep making Godzilla movies and Godzilla movies. It's like, well, we have this formula of the giant monster movie, but how can we reinterpret it? How can we make it new? How can we make it different? What different elements can we throw into it? And like, you you can see sort of the growth. Right. uh, And, you know, the the leap from Godzilla um, or Gojira to Rodan, and it's only two years. Gojiro is 1954, Rodan's 1956. Uh, the leap in, in terms of, um, well, first of all, it's it's the first kaiju movie in color, Yeah, I think we should say. And uh, just, you know, in terms of history, Japan did not make their first color film until 1951. All right, that was a, a comedy film called Carmen Comes Home. Toho had not done a color film until around the the same year as Rodan, and that was Madame Whitesnake, which was co-produced by Shaw Brothers of Hong Kong, fans of the 36 Chambers of Shaolin and uh, all those other really well-done martial arts films. You know, this was a big co-production between two big Asian moguls. 
Yes. Uh, so Rodan is coming right off the cuff of that and of the success of the first two Godzilla films. Um, you can see the just the filming of the action has gotten way faster mm-hmm. and the and like there there was a certain deliberate nature to the to the editing in in Gojira and I'm going to sort of compare this movie even though it's not really it's a different monster you know it's Rodan it's it's in a way kind of a sequel to to Godzilla cuz mm-hmm. it's you know it's all the same people involved and yeah. like it's a giant monster um but like if you look at the destruction sequence at the end of Gojira where it got he he's like walking down and you'll see a group of people and then you'll see the building and then he'll stumble into it and kind of knock it down and then you'll have a, another shot of all the people getting the rubble falling on them mm-hmm. or whatever. It's all very, you know, almost 4-4 time, you know. It's mm-hmm. just sort of like da-doom, da-doom, da-doom and it's just kind of like there's it's very methodical and, like and a pendulum. Sort of slow. Yes, it is like a pendulum. Now... You compare that to at the end of Rodan, where Rodan is destroying Fukuda in the Japanese version. It's Sasebo. Sasebo in, in the American version. I've been told because they have a U.S. military base in Sasebo, and maybe some of the American people watching it would know what Sasebo is, as opposed to no one would know what Fukuda was. I, I heard two stories, you know, on the internet, and you know. One can only assume with right. information like that, but one of the reasons is I heard is that the pronunciation of Fukuda, you know, Fukuda, something like that. Something like that. Puckman, Pac-Man, yeah, that scenario. Something okay. like that. Stupid, you know, stupid yeah. Americans are going to, uh, yeah. Uh, but like, okay, the point is when Rodan is destroying that city and when the two Rodans are destroying it, mm-hmm. spoiler alert, there's two Rodans. Two? I'm sorry, you've had 58 years to watch this movie. <laughs> Uh, if I'm spoiling it uh, for anybody out there, uh, you know, apologies. But when the Rodans have their assault on Fukuda, it, the pacing of it is close to a modern-day action film. I mean, you've got quick shot of a car going into a storefront and then power lines getting blown down. Cut to Rodan. Cut to the, uh, you know, tanks firing at him. Cut to a guy ushering people to safety and then the wind blowing tiles off the top of a roof and then a building collapsing and you know it's all just like boom 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 it's so much faster well you you think about it this way is that uh both mr Shiro honda and kurosawa both grew up in the same toho uh production system and both of them you know were trained by people who had worked in the silent era which was a very which lasted much longer in japan than it did in the united states and silent movies all about the visuals it's you have to make it visually interesting you know sound is really important too you know but but the visual like you must keep the audience visually interested and you know both kurosawa and honda as like they progressed you know their films become faster more intense and more visually appetizing yeah Um, so it's it's the beginning of I think what would sort of climax into a point of insanity towards the end of like Terror of Mechagodzilla yes. where the <laughs> cuts are so fast that you can't even tell what's happening and mm. it's just like the the amount of pyrotechnics on screen are just like you know make uh, Fourth of July and Navy Pier look uh, <laughs> uh, insubstantial. Yeah. But anyways, yes the um, 
the film was released in Japan in 1956. It was a huge success, and um, it was released with some significant modifications that I'm hoping to discuss here uh, by the King's Brothers distribution in 1957. And it was one of the first uh, Japanese science fiction films to make a, a significant impact in, in the United States. And, you know, Rodan, this this wasn't just some one-off from Godzilla where it was just like, oh, there's some asshole, yeah, it's Rodan, it's fine. It's, it's, this isn't like when Joey got his spin-off after Friends mm-hmm. ended, and it's just like, oh, that's cute, you know? Yeah. He's, he's got his little show, I'll watch it for two episodes and then forget about yeah. it. <laughs> Rodan was a big deal. You know, the, the the monster, monsters, however you mm-hmm. want to refer to it, I'll just, for the sake of ease, I'll refer to it as he. He got his own uh, model kit, the Aurora model model kits, which were, mm-hmm. you know, very popular with kids in the 60s and 70s. Um, he, there, there was a, a huge uh, distribution push when it was released in, uh, in the United States. In New York, uh, the NBC affiliate uh, had the up until that point the single largest advertising campaign for any movie, any movie, uh, for Rodan. And what they would do is they would show you know commercials for the movie, and then they also had this contest going on where they would show like a uh, clip or, or like a, a silhouette of Rodan on the screen, and it was like, all right, kids, get your piece of paper, put it up to the screen, and trace it, and whoever could like trace the image of Rodan and then mail that to like the theater would get like free tickets or some some crazy thing I mean this is back before you know liquid screens yeah you could actually trace oh yeah yeah well you could just yeah exactly oh yeah you could go up there exactly and uh so like there, there was all this really cool stuff and like Rodan I think along with a couple of other key kaiju you know Godzilla King Ghidra and Mothra I think those four, with the exception of King Kong, who kind of has, uh, you know, obviously his own life outside of the Godzilla series, has been able to punch through the consciousness mm-hmm. of, of, like, the the mass public. Like, I think there's a pretty good chance you could ask someone, like, who Rodan is, in, and if you, like, preface it with saying he's a monster from movies, mm-hmm. then they would probably be able to put together, oh, yeah, it's the flying bird thing from the Godzilla movies. Like, yeah. people... Somehow they still know about Rodan. Yeah, uh, like so even, it was that big of a hit. I remember like Leno on one episode for 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 some reason during the interview he like started saying, "Oh, you mean like Rodan?" And he started putting his hands in a right funny bird like um, <laughs> Rodan like position. He, Rodan shows up in pop culture sometimes, and um, specifically, I wanted to point out that he has a, a cameo in Stephen King's It. Where um, a a version of Rodan, as reinterpreted by Pennywise the Clown, uh, terrorizes uh, Mike Hanlon uh, during a pretty memorable sequence in that book, and it's like there's no mention of Godzilla anywhere in that book. It's just like it's just Rodan, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like people knew. Uh, you know, I first saw it in uh, I think it was about 1988. It was on uh, Super Scary Saturday on mm-hmm. TBS, the Superstation. They had a pretty amazing. Uh, Thing where they made a music video to a film that was still sort of peripherally uh, popular at that time. Of course, I'm referring to Top Gun, specifically ah. the uh, song from Top Gun, 
Kenny Loggins, or sorry, Kenny Loggins' Highway to the Danger Zone. Ah, yes. Which is in the movie Top Gun three times. Yeah. And uh, anyways, TBS recut footage from Rodan to Highway Through the Danger Zone or whatever. I'm not sure how they could do that legally without buying the rights to that song. Maybe they did. We don't know yet. It's TBS. It's TBS. The point is, is that it was like, there's Joe Rodan. It was like this huge deal, you know? And and I think a lot of that just goes back to the fact that this is a good movie. It's yeah. effective. You know, the, the, the scenes, the frightening scenes are supposed to, that are, the scenes that are supposed to be frightening actually are frightening. Yeah. The scenes that are supposed to be like grotesque are pretty upsetting. And, and and then, okay, the scenes of destruction at the end are spectacular and, yeah. and very well executed. And, and e- despite this being 1956, despite the fact that they went on for like 20 more years <laughs> making <laughs> the original Showa films, say nothing of the high side films, <laughs> this is some of the best stuff they did as yeah. far as like city destruction. And you can tell that because they cut in stock footage from the end assault on Fukuda in several other Godzilla films for, like, the next 20 years. They're borrowing footage from this. So, like, yeah. Um, very well done. The thing to me that sticks out is the story structure. How we start off thinking... Or, or, or we, start, we start off worrying about the human characters. And then when we find out what's killing the human characters, we're worried about these bugs. Right. All right? And if you've ever seen them, this is almost a, a similar opening. Like, very d- different in uh, execution, but similar thematically. Where it's right. just like mysterious deaths and, oh, it's giant radioactive bugs that are doing this and it's like trying to man versus the bugs but what this beautifully does is you go in thinking oh it's about man versus some big bugs and then you get this shit just got real moment when we see holy shit no this is about man versus a pterodactyl that is eating the bugs that we were that we couldn't kill right right (laughs) it's very important that like I mean aside from when uh, Shigeru crashes that mine car yeah. into one of the megalodons or whatever um, and kills it, mm-hmm. I think. Something. Um, <laughs> he might just knock it out. But, like, these bugs are very difficult to kill. Like, I think they only kill one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've got, like, the military. They've got, like, you know, machine guns set up on bipeds or whatever. It's like they are not having success killing these bugs. So that problem is still around at the end of this movie. You know, yeah. they haven't solved anything. Um but I agree, the structure is awesome. And if you didn't know what the movie was about, if you were just going into it, that's one of the unique things uh, of this movie because you know it has to be difficult from a screenwriting standpoint because it's like basically you have to keep telling the story essentially of, of Godzilla over and over again and just reconfigure right. it. Well, how do you do that? Um, and they find a solution in this movie and it's, and it's great. And every time you, know, you get to that, that sequence where um, Shigeru... Uh, played by Kenji Sahara, who would they later go on to play uh, Torahata in uh, Mothra vs. Godzilla. It's a great <laughs> villainous effect. Um, you know, when he finally does have that, that moment uh, in the cave where he um, discovers that it is, you know, exactly as you said, shit just got real, where Rodan explodes out of the shell. and um, God is dead. And now, and now, now, <laughs> there you, is no hope. Right. You, now you know, like, what the movie is really about, <laughs> and it took, like, an hour to get there, yeah. and you're just like, 
oh shit, we have no response to this. <laughs> what the hell are we going to do now? And the bottom drops out. And um, it's it's amazing. All right, so the film starts off one of two ways. If you're watching the original uh, version, of course, both versions have the the opening sort of titles, which look like, oh, I don't know. How would you describe it? Sort of like a sunburst, almost, or like the kind of this... Ah, uh, the colors. It's like a... It looks like a diffusion from like a theater thing. Yeah. Like like they're taking different green and red, like m- mostly primary colors. I don't know. It's it, it's a very effective thing. But you remember it. Oh yeah, you, you, you definitely you remember. remember. It, it's it's, it's odd, just it's very odd. It is. Yeah. Um, with the titles playing. If you're watching the Kings Brothers, um, the American version, it then goes into. A uh, your your standard sort of science fiction recap of stock footage of nuclear tests. As I said on the Godzilla 2014 episode, it actually shows the um, mushroom cloud blowing up uh, in the ocean, taking uh, two or three uh, ships, and they're of course very small in the mm-hmm. frame. With it, you know that exact same shot is, is in uh, you know Rodan, uh, the the Kings Brothers production mm-hmm. uh, redistribution of it. So, um, but that is, is sort of, uh, where things, that's the, the bulk of the major changes, you know, this one was significantly less messed with than Godzilla King of the Monsters, right. as it were. Um, the only other, you know, main thing between the American version and the Japanese version is the narration, which comes back, uh, from the Godzilla raids again, except it is dialed way back in Rodan. So... So it's, it's it's from suicide-inducing levels in Raids Against to merely very annoying in yes. Rodan. So, yeah, anyways, those are the main differences. But other than that, the main difference between the two movies is the sound design. And we'll get into that on a case-by-case. But other than that, and just trimming up a few things that the American audiences were... The Kings Brothers deemed maybe ran a little bit too long... That was that was it. You pretty much have the same movie, although the American version is a little bit shorter. Yeah. But um, yeah, and then the the structure of the film speaks basically for itself. We begin out on uh, Mount Aso, uh, which is a sort of a mountain with kind of an inactive volcano system and a mining community based around that, and that's where most of the action for a little more than the half of the movie takes place. Yeah. Um, basically it starts off very small and it's, it's a very small human drama. The first few scenes are establishing the miners kind of going to work in the morning and 
<clears throat> it starts off, uh, the first thing that has happened is we're seeing the aftermath of a fight between two characters that we certainly hear a lot of, but we really only see a couple of scenes with them alive anyways, right. and that is Yoshi and Goro. Yeah. And and apparently Yoshi and Goro uh, have, uh, they hate each other for some reason? Um, although they might secretly be in love with one another. We don't yeah. know. But uh, yeah, anyways. Lover's quarrel. <laughs> it could be a lover's quarrel. We're not sure, but they're always fighting. Yes, always fighting. Um, so that's sort of uh, kind of a red herring they, they set up there. And um, sure enough, they something happens. They go into a mine for a shift. It's a coal mine, I think. And um, they both disappear. They don't. They do not return at the end of the day. They're they're missing. Yeah. Um, Which has happened to me and my numerous exes uh, <laughs> many many times. So <laughs> basically, I think they like Goro and Yoshi go missing, but uh, it is then Shigeru, who is uh, Kenji Sahara, who's like the chief of security for the mine, is commissioned to like find them, find out what's going on. Hey, what is this trail of anal juice going? <laughs> what? What? Oh, no, that's just how I would find them. Anyways, continue. I don't know. Uh, yes. So, Shigeru, Shigeru uh, played by Kenji Sahara, uh, who is the head of security for the mine, and he is he is charged with finding the uh, Goro and Yoshi. Yoshi's body is discovered relatively early on, mm-hmm. but he is super dead. Yeah. And it's a pretty upsetting sequence because they, they find him, and you think, oh, well, they're just going to kind of cut away or they won't even show him or, like, whatever. They found him and that'll be it. They'll just mention him off screen. But mm-hmm. the film, you know, Honda proceeds to meticulously show, like, the the ex- excavating of Yoshi's body mm-hmm. uh, and then, like, the taking him into, like, this shower and, like, they, they're, like, washing him in, like, a, a basin or whatever and his body's all, like, bruised and his face is all, like, mashed up and cut open. He's all bloody. Might speak to Honda's wartime experience. Yeah, Because he, it's he very... did see a lot of stuff that you know, most people, you know, would hopefully never have to witness in their lifetimes. But, you know, unfortunately, such is life. Yeah, it's, it's you know, and again, it's sort of jarring seeing that sort of brutality... Or, you know, the aftermath of the brutality and this sort of mortal carnage depicted on screen after sort of seeing the cycle of Godzilla movies through, uh, you know, and as they get newer, they get more and more sort of harmless. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, yeah, here in 1956, the guy's head's split open and, um, you know, you're just showing, spending a lot of time on a dead body being washed. Uh, It's not looking good for Goro. No. <laughs> uh, everyone essentially assumes that Goro has gone mad and killed Yoshi and is now hiding in the mines. Unfortunately, they can't really do too much of an investigation because the waters have risen in the mines. There's been a collapse uh, and that makes it prohibitive from them doing too thorough of an investigation, even though it's stated pretty clearly that there isn't a large body of water nearby, so it's weird yeah. that they don't know where this water is coming from. But uh, it, our protagonist is love interest, Kyo, 
is Goro's sister. Yeah, and that's what ties it together, yeah. and it's all very neat yeah. and tidy there. Mm-hmm. Um, Kyo uh, is played by Yumi Shirakara, and uh, she's good. She's, she's not quite up to Kumi Muzuno standards, but uh, she does her part very well and communicates a lot by doing almost nothing. Um much better than in Godzilla 14 with uh, which which Olsen sister was that again? Mary Kate or Ashley? I don't remember. Yeah. Anyways, uh, the doll. The doll. <laughs> um, so yes, while the sort of in the early stages of this manhunt, um, the I think like the police captain and a miner and then like like one of the foremans for the mine, they decide to go in and do perform their own investigation for Goro. Um, and they, for whatever reason, they tie themselves to one another. So they're all connected mm-hmm. one to the other to the other with this uh, zip line that's that's attached um, at, at waist height. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, so like, and they proceed to sort of go into uh, where the, the mine is flooded down the, down the line. And... Uh, you know, they head in about halfway and it's all one shot and it's all a tracking shot and it's, you know, you get sort of get this mood building or whatever mm-hmm. and it's the classic sort of distraction. I think the, uh, you know, the sheriff guy says something like, turns to the guy behind him, he's like, oh, you're, you're a coward, you're chicken to not go any further or something. Mm-hmm. He, he gets interrupted like mid-sentence and he just starts screaming and something just pulls him under under the water mm-hmm. and and then the next man in line he he doesn't scream he doesn't say anything he's just sort of like kind of stunned and just sort of almost in a pathetic kind of way he just kind of also it's very terrible he he just sort of gets slowly dragged in the water yeah. too and he's just sort of like uh, uh, and it's very awkward <laughs> yeah. and very like upsetting and yet this is like pre-jaws yeah where you don't see the monster as insane as what i'm about to say (laughs) is and and okay so the third guy cuts the line Mm -hmm. and he makes it into the cave and then this noise this screeching sounds like an entire zoo is going crazy all these like Ah, all these awful noises are following him down the cave and he tries to make it to the phone, but he can't. And he just, nothing is stopping him from fleeing, but he's so horrified that he just collapses and just kind of covers up his face, you know, and fade to black. And we found out that all three of those guys are, they they find their bodies later on. And one of which, uh, the captain, his head is only connected by like a piece of flesh. Mm -hmm. They don't actually show that, but they say that. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, getting back to before when they're getting killed, uh, again, I know this is going to sound crazy, but I think that's probably how it would happen. Like, like the way it's shown is sort of ridiculous. And not, I'm not ridiculous, but like the way people are shown, show, are shown dying in films is yeah. often in a sort of theatrical kind of exciting or spectacular way or something but it's not it, it, it's something about it always seems to always read false yeah the way these guys get killed seems very much like how it would actually happen 
Like it's quick and it's awkward and it's terrible and mm. it's it's really horrifying. Well, I think that's similar to uh, just going back to Mr. Honda's war experiences, uh, the special effects of Dawn of the Dead. That was Tony. Uh, Dawn of the Dead? Yeah, Dawn of the Dead. Oh, sorry. Uh, I have his autograph. <laughs> um, he, was, he was in Planet Terror. Yeah, yeah, no, give me a second. It's switching gears to Italian or... Uh, let me... Tom Savini. Tom Savini, that's it. I'm, I can't believe I forgot that. I, was, I am ashamed. <laughs> so... Uh, Tom Savini mentioned that uh, sometimes his wartime experiences uh, in Vietnam uh, aided in his uh, special effects. Like he mentioned in an interview that like he didn't appreciate the way uh, death was depicted. You know, like people dying like as if they were going to sleep. And you know, he's like, no, people die with their eyes open, mouths open. You know. So it's uh, when when you've had that experience, you know the romance is out, right? You know it's just this is ugly. Yeah, yeah, and and these scenes are are ugly at the beginning of this movie and and awful. Um, the bodies start piling up, and um, Keo becomes the subject of blame from the uh, women in the village. Mm-hmm. Um, we should say that the village is, you know, right next to the mine, and it's a very tight-knit community. Mm. It's a very close community, so obviously the news of these continued deaths in the mine mm. continues to grow. Keo is getting blamed by all the women in the village, and um, there's there's a scene where um, Shigeru goes to like comfort her, and like mm-hmm. you know, you it's a it's it's a great. The, the the structure of the scene is awesome because mm-hmm. it's like you think you've seen this scene before, mm-hmm. you know, and you've, especially if you've seen a lot of Honda movies where it's like the male kind of hero comes in and is strong and is like, you know, we're going to, you know, you can, we're going to get through this and mm-hmm. I'm sure Goro didn't do this or whatever. And about five minutes into the scene, this thing like breaks down the door yeah. to their house and it's, it just sort of, but it's not even like it doesn't even break down the door because the the way the house is structured, like the back, uh, like patio is just open. There's just oh, yeah. a huge hole. Well, in the it's wall. a traditional Japanese style right. house with the 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 opening walls, right? You know, and it's summertime, so they keep so the whole wall open. This giant hideous insect thing just sort of scuttles out of the, out of the bushes, and it comes right for them, and it's just so like. Shocking! It's just like terrifying film experiences was just watching this for the first time because the whole time you're thinking, you know, oh, is it this Rodan doing this stuff? And then this bug just pops out of nowhere. It's just like, what the fuck? The the Mega Nulon is what they're called in the you know in the Toho verse, and um, they immediately uh, run away. From it, mm-hmm. and they they call out through the rest of the houses and kind of alert everyone, mm-hmm. and uh, the military or the police yeah, at this point, the military are not involved at this point. They try to converge and they they kind of drive it up a hill and they shoot at it with their pistols. They're mm-hmm. six shooters basically, 
and they unload a fair amount of uh, you know of of lead into this thing, and it basically has no effect. In fact, it kills two more police officers, and then it makes a beeline back to the cave and just kills another guy on its way back yeah. to the cave. Like we don't even see it. We don't even yeah. see that. Like bio- bodies are just piling up yeah. off screen at this point. <laughs> We're not even bothered to like film it. You know, it's just like this thing is a menace. <laughs> you know, like in America, okay. This thing, the Mega New Lods, they would be the focus of the movie. Like, they they would be, like, there would be a separate horror movie about these things, you know? Like, these things are at least as bad as the giant grasshoppers from the beginning of the end starring Peter Graves, Mm -hmm. okay? I think they actually kill more people, you know? (laughs) And uh, so they go into the cave after this thing. I think they call on the military, right? Yes, the police chief, um, I think, is kind of uh, phoning in a bit of Spencer Tracy and them. Yeah. Uh, he, he contacts the military. And this is another difference between American and Japanese horror films, at least with this one in respect, is the fact that, you know, there's never anyone questioning, oh, there's no such thing as big bugs. Right. You're, you're full of shit. Right. You know, like, no, the military comes. Immediately. Like, when there are enough, <laughs> you know, people saying there's something... Fucking killing people. Right. They send in the troops. You know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they're, yeah, uh, they're just like the military gets off the trucks and they're just like, "All right, where are they? <laughs> where are the giant bugs?" Um, and they they go into the cave. The water starts receding, and just like as an off side, you know, offhand thing, they just find Goro's mutilated body. Just yeah. like on the rocks, and it's just like, oh, I guess the entire main plot that we were following for like the first twenty minutes of the movie, yeah, like he's just dead, you know, <laughs> and he's all like cut up and stuff, and it's you know, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty messed up. Um, and again, you know, that's that's one of two times in this movie where like the the focus just shifts from oh you think it's about this? No, no, it's about this. Yeah. So now like Goro's dead. That whole threat like. Uh, Kiyu's brother is dead, so that's unfortunate. But basically, they they go into the cave. They try to like corner the Mega Nulon, and um, they they shoot at it with uh, you know again their pea shooters, their six shooters, and then also the military has the machine guns that they set up on the bipeds, and they empty a good amount of lead into it, not working at all. So uh, Shigeru uh, goes up to the top of sort of this hill area, tells everybody to clear out, takes off the brake and rides like a whole minecart train full of coal into one of these things in true Michael Bay fashion. And uh, and I, we think kills it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, but that like breaks a hole in the wall. And th- this part's a little... Fuzzy to me. I think they he like goes through the hole in the wall or something. But then there's more mega nulons. There's like five more on the other side, and then there's an earthquake or a collapse in the cave. Mm-hmm. So at this point, Shigeru is just cut off. You're right uh, from the rest of the group, and it's just assumed he's getting super killed. Yeah. So like time elapses, and you know the, there's like seismic activity. Uh, I guess there have been no more Megalulon attacks, um, but there is an earthquake, so they go to investigate that, 
And guess who they find? <laughs> yes. They find uh, Shigeru just wandering around like Mad Max, just sort of stumbling. And he, he's almost dead when they find him. They take him back to the hospital. And um, they revive him as best they can, but he's, he's pretty much mute. And he's got amnesia. He's got amnesia. And he's, yeah, he's very, he's, he's basically catatonic with a high level of mobility. Yeah. <laughs> so he can walk around, they can sit him up, they can, you know, put him down in a chair, they can move him in and out of rooms. He but can draw. He can draw. And he likes to draw, he likes to draw caves. He likes caves. to draw tunnels. Uh, um, no Freudian symbolism there, let yeah. me tell you that. Um. And he, yeah, but he's not, you know, he can't tell them what happened in the cave. He's just sort of, you know, shell-shocked, basically. Um, so, at this point in the narrative, things begin to divide into different directions. We see a fighter jet that's making a routine run, um, is, intercepts this, what it refers to as a unidentified flying object that it pursues. And we kind of see the, the back and forth between them, the, you know, that pilot and the guys in the, uh, in the air, you know, control base. And the, this object is flying, it's doing loop-de-loops, mm. and it's going at supersonic speed. Mm. Now, I'm not sure how this pilot is able to see this visually i guess maybe it's you know the wind pattern is such that he can just recognize it by sight but it's it's going at supersonic speed so it's you know it's both in the english version and the translation of the japanese version that thing is fast that thing is fast it's flying very fast so um yeah and and then whatever this thing is that's flying this we don't know thing. this big thing that's flying very fast uh is going at supersonic speed and turns on like does a hairpin turn and goes in the opposite direction and just flies doesn't actually hit this guy but just flies over him going in the opposite direction at supersonic speed causing the plane to just explode just be yeah. torn apart by air pressure which when i was a kid watching this i was just like that's so awesome yeah like, Rodan doesn't have to use his fire breath. He doesn't have yeah. to do any of this stuff. He's just so fast. He can actually destroy things just by using physics. Just like a Concord. Yeah, this is like, you know, this is great. <laughs> um, so, a couple more of these attacks happen. There's a... I think, basically, like, Shigeru, he wakes up. He comes out of his... Catatonia and he has his remembrances. Is well, that before the couple is killed or after? That is, I believe, it before be the couple is killed. Okay. I believe it's before the couple is killed. Um, because of the way the two versions are yeah. cut. Um, but what happens is uh, Kyo, uh, Kyo-chan has... Um, Kyo. Has, yeah, Kyo has um, some birds who have laid eggs. And so, you know, just trying to be active with Shigeru, she gives him uh, the basket with the eggs, and he sees the eggs, and he loses it. He suddenly remembers. Well, yeah, there's a, there's an extreme close-up 
of his hands holding the nest and it pushes, pushes, and then we're into the nest and there's a little egg and then the camera keeps pushing and now the egg is like just dominating the frame yeah. and then it starts to move and it makes this noise and you see the little beak come through the egg yeah. and then a Fuku bass score comes through, you know, with the piano mm-hmm. um, and that is what sets off this this remembrance uh, of, of Shigeru of, of what actually did happen in the cave. So we find ourselves back with Shigeru in the cave and we see from his point of view what happened. So uh, he's in the cave and he sees a whole nest of these mega me- me- things, uh, bug things. And, you know, so like, I mean, we thought, you know, one or two was bad. So here's a whole big fucking nest of them yeah all right and then on top of that literally is a big fucking egg which starts to hatch all right and there are two different now, versions now by big egg we're talking monster egg like yes gigantor yeah <laughs> like th- this is big it like the size of a building the, yeah it dwarfs the bugs yeah who are like it, it you know so the bugs are bigger than shigeru and then the egg is significantly bigger than the bugs. Yes. So, all right. So, like the scale rate rises here. Okay. Right. The scale. The scale has risen. Oh, it's risen. Yeah. So Rodan, you know, the, the sorry, the egg starts to hatch, <laughs> uh, and there's some sound issues with the Japanese version as compared to the English version. I believe the reason why the Japanese version is not quite as good sound wise is because Japan was not using. Uh, magnetic tape, I believe, at this time, and just like reading up on the film industry, magnetic tape was used for sound recording by the Germans, uh, you know, for their you know Nazi, you know, Agfa color uh, epics. Anyways, um, so with the United States, of course, you know, uh, took Germany. We and the Soviet Union both uh, incorporated many of their uh, new technologies to ours. So, like, if you're familiar with the tape. Recorder that's a similar, basically a similar thing, a reel-to-reel, uh, which makes sound editing much easier. Uh, Japan was still, at this time, I believe, still using the 35-millimeter strip, which they had to layer upon layer, and, like, to record a sound, for, or, excuse me, to record a score, you had to do it while the movie was playing, on top of the RA recorded dialogue, and then do the sound effects at the same time, most likely. So that's probably why the American version has a more uh, precise sound, uh, what? Design. Design. Sound design. <laughs> there we go. So anyways. The, the, the yes. So it, it, basically the differences are in the Japanese version, Shigeru is looking at this thing in terror and the main Rodan theme is just sort of kind of, you know, playing throughout the scene you get a look at the egg, and it starts cracking uh, visually, and yeah. we hear uh, thunder noises, what is quite mm-hmm. obviously uh, the, the sound effect for thunder that's been reappropriated as this, you know, yeah. uh, cracking noise, which is creative. It's a creative solution, but um, it's very kind of muffled and almost gentle. Yeah. Uh, and then... The egg explodes, and the little, little baby Rodan, which is about the size of little a... Little D. Or little, excuse me. Little R. Little R. Yeah. R, which is about the size of a 30-story building, <laughs> uh, 
you know, he breaks out of the shell and he, he is mute and mm. he immediately eats like three or four of the mega lulons, which are like the size of like, you know, a thing of beef jerky or, you know, even smaller, you know. <laughs> and, um, but the, over all of this, A, Rodan is not roaring mm. and B, Fukubei's score sort of continues uninterrupted. Mm-hmm. And only at the end, when Shigeru sort of gets up in disgust from this whole sickening uh, display, and then finally sort of just wanders out of the cave with his back, literally his back to this, which he's a pretty brave guy. Mm. I don't know if I could just walk away from all this. I would assume they would come and like try and kill me or yeah. whatever. But he just sort of <laughs> walks away because he's like mentally, that's it. You know, he's, he's, he's had it. Only then do you hear the the classic Rodan call. Yes. Now, the King's Brothers production, not only does it have uh, additional uh, stock music to, to sort of, I don't want to say enhance a Fukubei's score, because I think it's Fukubei's score is already like perfect, mm-hmm. but like it, it changes it. It changes it in such a way where they can drop the music out. And, yes. and where they do... Uh, they, they drop the music out. Well, basically Shigeru, you know, it's the same thing. Shigeru looks at the, you know, the cuts are all the same. Like the edit is exactly the same. Shigeru looks at the egg, but this time you have a very definite, much louder cracking noise. Okay. And, um, the music drops out after the cracking completely. So Mm -hmm. it's just silent. And then... Rodan explodes out of the egg, and it's a it's a much louder noise mm-hmm. when the egg does crack, and Rodan immediately starts roaring, and the music is just completely dropped, and Shigeru is just looking at it in disgust, and I must say, you know, I know it's it may be considered sacrilege in in, in some circles, but I do think that the the sound edit of this scene is way better in the american version Mm -hmm. than the japanese version and as you said you know the japanese they they had to record everything live when they were doing the score and they could only do it as one enormous piece of music Mm -hmm. and they didn't have the magnetic tape so they weren't able to get in the intricacies of precisely timing the music going out at a certain point and all that um but yeah, I just think it works way better in the American version. So much that that so much so that like I went uh probably I don't know, 15 years without watching Rodan and then I finally uh watched the Japanese version assuming everything would be exactly the same. And when I got to that part and you know, it, it happens as I've just described in the Japanese version, uh, I thought something was wrong. I thought mm-hmm. that maybe I had misremembered it or I felt like I was going crazy because it was like it was such a key part of the scene and, and really the movie right? Um, th- in my memory of it that um, the – yeah, the change was, was very startling and I still haven't quite gotten used to it um, and it's – yeah, I think uh, – I don't know. It's just It just works better in the American version but – 
that being said, I still prefer the Japanese version because it doesn't have the uh, the suicide inducing uh, <laughs> narration of. Uh, then we turned left. We then went, we went right. We went into the mine. Further and further down we went, stepping each foot in front of the next. The air was murky and it was dark because it was a cave. You know, there were bats. Uh, there were bats <laughs> flying in the air. You know, it's just like if only Michael, oh! if Michael Caine was narrating this. No, I'm not going to trip me into doing my Michael Caine impression again. Uh. <laughs> so basically, as Mike just describes, it's basically the next thing where Shigeru like leads the company, uh, your police, military, what have you, earthquake guy, uh, all the way into uh, the cave, and they look, and uh, sure enough, there is a piece of egg. Uh, and then they go back uh, to Dinosaur Guy, uh, who, uh, show, who who is He's just played like, by Sirozawa, except yes. with no eye patch. No eye patch this time. This and time. glasses. Yes, just 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 the glasses. He, you know, just you know, he, he has something to push up yes. on his face. Uh, <laughs> but um, so uh, he he pulls out. You know, he says like, "Okay, I want you to get something from the something something Mesozoic era," and and the one guy pulls it out, and it's just like, "Ah, yes, this is exactly <laughs> this, that's this is exactly it. what I saw." Right, and then uh, they go to. I think well, the couple must have been killed before the the flashback then, because they've already had this picture that they oh, right right that they've established is the para. Po- 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 Pterodon. Well, it's yeah. not a pterodon because yeah. they don't drop it. It's a pteranodon yeah. or something. Like you say, in pterodactyl, the P is silent, but the Japanese pronounce the P and don't pronounce the T, so it's pteranodon. First of all, the, the name Rodan comes from radon because it's all supposed to be a nuclear uh, thing. Yeah, it's supposed like to be like the, hor- the, the horror of radon. Yeah. Rodan, like it got switched at some point. Or well, because there was like a soap or some, you know, tobacco company in the U.S. or right. company. So, some so, company had the same name, right. so you can't sell it like that. So, so you have had, to switch it, the A and the O. Yeah, they switched the A and the O. So perfect. <laughs> so Radon becomes Rodan. Um, so, anyways, yes, basically. We, I guess we skipped over the scene where this young couple, I guess they're on a honeymoon or whatever, they go out for a romantic and erotic photo shoot on a pile of rocks, a desolate, uh, dead uh, volcano. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or like a coal mine yeah, or something. Yeah, the sweet, sweet smell so, of sulfur. Yeah, you know? they're surrounded by all this like sulfur and, <laughs> and, and, and gas erupting in natural pockets. I don't know. Maybe they was. Maybe this was the first goth couple, and, uh, <laughs> you know, and uh, they're really predecessors. <laughs> Unfortunately, Rodan does a drive-by flying or fly-by whatever. Rodan flies overhead, and they manage to take a couple of pictures with their camera, and they are knocked down to the ground and. Presumably swept up in the air, although you don't see that. When I was a kid, I always assumed that they were just knocked down on the ground and their bodies, they just died of internal injuries because they got crushed by the water or, like, the air pressure because, like, you know, the differential was so much. Like, you know, when you're a kid, your mind always goes into, like, the most horrible thing. No, Mike. Not not all of us are like that. So they're killed and they find the photographs and, you know, they see what appears to be 
a wing of some sort, and they immediately match it to this photo of this pteranodon, pteranodon, yeah, elementopenon, radon. And it, like, fits perfectly with the picture. This black and white photograph works perfectly well with this, like, colored drawing. You know, just like, ah, <laughs> oh, that's exactly it! They also know exactly what the Megalulon is immediately. Yeah. Uh, and they, they, they mentioned that it turns into uh, fully formed uh, dragonflies when it gets older. Mm. Uh, Megagirus. Yeah. There you go. Basically. <laughs> um, so, anyways, yeah, so... Now Rodan is getting bolder and bolder. Uh, after that scene, we then have Shigeru getting his memory back. That whole scene. And then... Um, so basically, they know it's Rodan. They they drive out to uh, Mount Aso, uh, where the sort of this, this collapse was, that they where they initially recovered Shigeru in the first place. And... Wouldn't you know it, Rodan, on cue, just unprovoked, just comes out and uh, flies away. And uh, the the head military dude turns to the red shirt next to him. (laughs) And it's like, you have to call the base immediately and let them know Rodan's, you know, on on the attack. And the guy's like, yeah. And he goes and he, (laughs) he gets in his car and he drives away. And Rodan precision takes this guy out, cutting off the the line of communications. Like flies yeah. over the jeep, and the jeep spectacularly just does this like like multiple like three hundred sixty degree turns, and is just chucked into this rock, and just like oh, it's yeah, it's like yeah, exactly. Such it makes you think of like Mortal Kombat death. noises, like no, you know, like oh god, it's so awesome, you know. That, is, that's what these these classic Toho kaiju movies. It may not have had the excessive like ridiculous amount of like pyrotechnics or shit from like Godzilla versus Gigan or whatever, where there's just like throw a, you know, a sparkler on everything. <laughs> what it did have were nice little contained sequences like this that were executed perfectly and had huge impact. You know, had, a, had were done correctly. You yeah. know, and I think that's way harder to do. That's why they stopped doing it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that guy's killed. <laughs> so Rodan's on the assault now. Uh, we quickly cut to three fighter planes trying to foolishly to destroy Rodan. Uh, it flies around for a while. It's a pretty awesome scene. Flies into a river underneath a bridge to sort of hide from the jets. They kind of dive bomb him like a couple of times. And on the second run, Rodan comes out of the water, and this is one of the few times where there's like one of these major effects shots in Toho where you can just absolutely see the wire. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you can just see the wire. Yeah, uh, you know, and it's not like it is in like Mothra or even King Ghidorah. It's like it's very visible, yeah. <laughs> but um, <laughs> you know, that's okay. They're doing some pretty awesome stuff. Yeah. I uh, quick trivia: the guy who played Rodan, um. And I believe it's the same actor who played Godzilla. Mm. Uh, one time, the wire, as thick as it was and as visible as it is, did snap. And he, wearing the complete, like, you know, 150-pound Rodan suit, fell 25 feet. Jesus! With the whole thing on. and he, But he fell into the water. And he credits his life being saved by the fact that the, the wings on the suit absorbed most of the shock. And... Um, and the water itself sort of helped cushion the fall. Otherwise, he would be super dead. Um, but 
thought that was pretty awesome. They'd never made a kaiju fly before. They didn't know what the fuck they were doing. This is all an experiment, you yeah. know. And all part of Toho's, uh, you know, as anti-union politics. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a quick bit of trivia. Like, there was, for a brief while, a second Toho called Shin Toho because Toho had such, like, strong, like, anti-union-like uh, rules. Uh uh, of which we benefit through mass dangerous entertainment. <laughs> yes. Um, so Rodan, you know, bursts out of the uh, the water, and it's a very iconic uh, shot. And mm. there's a lot of publicity photos uh, based on that sort of that scene. And then double backs around, and just for hate's sake, I guess, flies back over the bridge and destroys this huge bridge. Yeah. Which is awesome. Just a Sounds great scene. Fine. And then immediately we go into um, the attack on Fukuda. Fukuda. Or Sasebo. Oh, Sasebo. Sasebo in the American version. Uh, Fukuda in the in the Japanese version. And he lays waste. Like, first, it's the air assault. Yeah. Because, like you know, he's a flying, uh, flying reptile. He flies over and, you know, he's blowing everything up. You know, he's causing a lot of damage as such. Then he lands. Right. And that's when, you know, this whole, like, the you know, documentary-esque style, you know, pre-Saving Private Ryan, you know, unchained camera, you know, of footage, you know, tanks rolling by, buildings being destroyed, you know, people, you know, tiles flying off the roofs, you know, just People amazing. being flung into the air and trying to grab on to a tree, and then the tree gets blown out by yeah. its roots. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, seeing, like, buildings being blown up, and you can see, like, miniature people in the buildings, like, trying to flee, and yeah. just... So just, just awesome amounts of, yeah. of destruction, and, and, and then when things are looking their bleakest, aha, a ray of hope, a ray of light, maybe there is, you know, a light at the end of this tunnel, a second Rodan... <laughs> Flies in and causes twice as much destruction. <laughs> so this shit gets real. Yeah. Um, oh, and and not only can can they like so smash things, but like Rodan in this movie has like some kind of radioactive, or not maybe not even radioactive, but it just he blows wind yeah. out of his mouth. Yeah, he blows wind know? out of his mouth. This power is vague, and it is never revisited until. Fire Rodan sort of fires stuff out of its mouth in, uh, you know, Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla 2. But, uh, but, like, this Rodan, like, fires this smoke stuff out of its yeah. mouth. Uh, it's pretty vague. Yeah. It's still awesome. Halitosis. It, it adds to the overall chaos of everything that's going on because everything, you know, the. Fr- the framing of it, there's a lot of smoke and gas and flames and, and, and just sort of like shrapnel and debris everything is like really crazy and uh you know as i said before this large portions of the sequence have been reused uh, in many other films godzilla versus monster zero at the end when the three monsters are sort of converging on the city they basically take this entire scene and just (laughs) drop it in there just use it again yeah yeah. it's a great scene and at the end fukuda gets jacked like doritos jacked (laughs) In the American version, one of the lines I do remember is like, if we don't stop them, they'll take over the Earth! <laughs> Which I always thought was an interesting line to imagine, yeah. just like Rodan, just like sitting on, you know, whatever, Mount Rushmore, after yeah. all the other cities have been destroyed with 
with his mate and just being like, yep, it's Rodan's world now. I'll make some baby Rodans uh, on top of G. Washington's head. So basically the, the time has elapsed and they say that, you know, well, we haven't seen, you know, Rodan in over a week and they turned to Dinosaur Guy. Uh, and he says, ah, well, it's quite simple. You see, after reptiles eat a lot of things, or in this case, people, uh, they like to take a nap. So they hibernate underground. And so they consider blowing uh, the mountain around them and basically burying them alive. Uh, you know, if we can't kill them, we'll just bury them. So, uh, you know, and then uh, there, there's a brief moment of protest from Earthquake Guy who says, oh, but, you know, the mountain could erupt. Uh, and then the police officer assures them, well, d- what, you think we wouldn't evacuate people before? I mean, what do you think this is, a Michael Bay movie or Godzilla 2014? He's like, hey, 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 you look at me. What, am I an ASO over here? Come on, what, am I an ASO? And the guy's like, no, it's Mount ASO. Oh. Reaching. Re- reaching for puns. <laughs> um, so where's that fart button when you need it? <laughs> um, so, <laughs> so that's exactly what they do. And the following sequence is, is monotonous. And uh, they should have... You know, sometimes there's blind spots. And sometimes there's two-dimensional thinking. Uh, I think the, the special effects and sound designers are a little bit like Khan from Wrath of Khan. Mm-hmm. I think they meticulously designed this end sequence of all the stuff exploding on the hill. And they're like, oh, well, well first we'll have the attack from the outside. And then the, the bombs will explode on the inside of the mountains. And, you know, we'll just do it for like eight minutes and it'll be spectacular. We'll just we'll use up Toho's entire special effects budget, all the gunpowder in all of Tokyo and we're going to just, you know, we'll, we'll blow the shit out of this miniature set. It's all going to look meticulously. We're going to have all these little handcrafted trees. It's all going to look great. It's like, that's good, George. I think that's a real good idea. However, you should probably get more than one exploding sound effect that you yeah. use uh, 48 times in yeah. a row <laughs> without alternating at all. Yeah. Now, I'm no scientist. But I'm pretty sure when you blow something, two things up in a row, it's that explosion sound effect is going to sound pretty different both of those times. So that is a huge blind spot in the climax of this film is that it's just the one Toho explosion sound effect. Mm-hmm. Again, it's, it seems like 50 times that they use it. Um, but if you, you know, that said, it's still pretty to look at. Yeah. Because I like explosions. <laughs> <laughs> Um, (laughs) and so after like, again, probably six or seven minutes of this, this, this missile poning of this, of Mount Aso, um, it erupts and, and the Rodans sort of fly out and they, they try to escape, but the, the fumes and the air surrounding uh, their immediate vicinity are too hot and they actually they're, they roast to death. And yeah. then they fall down and get covered in lava while their wings are still flapping yeah. in a very pathetic way. And it's very sad. Yeah. It's, it's you know, because the Rodans, I mean, the movie's called Rodan, but they're really not in it 
that much. Yeah. I mean, the majority of the movie is focused on like either finding Goro and Yoshi or finding the Mega Nulons, and then like Rodan is really only in it for like the last half an hour. So like, and and they're just minding their own business. I mean, it's you know it's the monster and its mate, and they're just it's like this. It's not their fault, you know. Um, they're just being themselves, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically, and and they die this this horrible, um, prolonged, uh, pathetic death. Yeah, you know, like definitely. And they don't cut away; they just show the whole thing, and it's it's very sad. And I think it's intentionally sad. And I think it's supposed to be yet another sort of like look at how fucked up things are getting. You know, like this stuff's going to keep happening. We have to change our ways. Yeah, and like, you know, the 50s were a pretty scary time just to be alive in general. I mean, Japan was recovering, but, you know, from, what, two nuclear bombs? I think around the same time in the United States, uh, the Emmett Till incident happened, you know, where some guys, like, just killed a kid for, you know, saying bye, baby, to a white woman. Soviet Union's, you know, doing stuff in space. You know, it's just, like, odd stuff is happening and like nobody really knows where the world's going at this point there's like, sort of a funk yeah where this this overall feeling of like maybe we're starting to get too far ahead maybe our technology's finally outpaced our ability to sort of keep what we're doing to ourselves and yeah. our earth it's, uh, also check. Like, it's also like we have all this technology but what are we using it for we're using it for our petty need right. our, our petty needs and not like the the, the grandier the grand needs you right. know we're, we're sending we're making missiles not to go into space to find resources or to you know to explore no we're making rockets to nuke each other and if know? we keep doing that you know rodan is and and the monsters like it are are the the remainder of that equation, mm-hmm. you know, this like, there's going to be things like this that happen where again, the Rodan is not really the villain of this movie. It's just sort of a byproduct of us. Mm-hmm. So like, yeah. And it's, yeah, the end is very sad. And, and then it just, everyone's just sort of standing there watching this, yeah. you know, Shigeru's comforting Kyo, And I guess there's some hope that there'll be sort of a, Maybe a relationship there in the future or whatever, but they're all just sort of stunned and just kind of watching this 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 happen. And you know, the credits come up, and um, in the American version, he says that um, you know, could there be even greater horrors? You know, in starring in the deep, starring in the deep, and you know, and how prophetic because it is. You know, this is the second really. Raids again doesn't really count. No. <laughs> um, you know, film in this series, and it's like, yes, there are many other things stirring in the deep. You know, and uh, and and you do get the feeling that like this isn't going to stop. Yeah. You know, we we've opened up Pandora's box here, and now these giant monsters are falling out of it. And uh, so yeah, it's a very sort of chilling end, and and overall a very effective uh, film, and. Definitely one of my favorites of the of the whole genre. Yeah. Um, so. Yep. Any closing thoughts? 
Uh, I just think it, it was uh, cool to get it uh, from the media classic, like box Godzilla box set, which you know was bonerific, you know, in the early aughts when I got it. Because not only did I like Godzilla, but oh, it's on DVD. We can we now have a DVD player. I can put the DVDs in. I was disappointed there weren't no like behind the scenes or anything like that. That I had to go on to like numerous geo cities like to figure out like how this stuff was put together. Um, but the yeah. I mean. I think for, for people listening right now, sort of the definitive version to get is the Toho Masters collection, which it's a du- double, and I'm sorry, it's just DVD. It's not out on Blu-ray as of yet, yes. but um, it's a double set with, with both Rodan and then War of the Gargantuas, which is another amazing um, um, kaiju film. And uh, when I heard that both of those movies were finally coming out, and let alone that they were going to be in the same set, it was, like, amazing. So it has that. That has both the English and the Japanese version on it, and you can just jump back and forth, which we've done for this uh, episode today. And um, that's the – yeah, that's the version. If you like the film, that's what you should watch. Don't watch it on Netflix. That's just the American Kings Brothers version. And you—that's part of it. And as I've, you know, stated previously, you know, some of my favorite parts of Rodan sort of come from that, what with the sound design and all that. But like, if you really want to see the full movie and and really get the insight on the kind of the performances and what was going on for Unfettered, um, you should you really owe it to yourself to track down the original Japanese version, um, which is, I think, only available in this country on that, you know. Toho Masters um, yeah. box set or whatever with with War of the Gargantuas. Um, so do that. Um, <laughs> so that's that's all from me. Uh, my name is Michael Kelly. You've been listening to myself and my associate, Mr. Nathan Bear. Who? I don't know. Yeah. Some guy, <laughs> we're going to get rid of him. He's uh, okay. he's came up with a fart button earlier this week. <laughs> it was very uncomfortable. Uh, we are on Facebook at the Godzilla Pod War hour and uh you can follow me on twitter it's uh michael kelly at godzilla pod war also i well i think i'll let you take it away as far as the tumblr well we are on tumblr all of our current episodes are on tumblr uh you know we've been reviewing godzilla films so if you didn't know already like uh our first uh incarnation of the show was just reviewing all the godzilla films up to uh uh, the 2014 release, and uh, now we are going to be reviewing other Toho monster films within the same uh, what Ubra universe, universe, I guess. Yeah. So uh, yeah, so we are on Tumblr. If you need to, you know, find a way to share this with your friends, we're on Podbean, the Godzilla Podware Hour, and we are of course on iTunes for free. Think about it. iTunes free. You get a name brand, you get us, and you get it for free. Who can beat that? Nate, if I were you, or if I was our listeners, I would track down those other episodes at supersonic speed. Um, or I would just look up the the Highway to the Danger Zone video edit from Super Scary Saturday of Rodan, because it's probably on YouTube by now. I'll try and find that. <laughs>